Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This episode contains violent language, swearing, and strong racial slurs. If you're not ready to hear that, or if you have kids with you, maybe tune in another time. Wednesday, January 6th started as just another day for me, any other day. Meet Carlin Younger. She's the investment lead at an obscure government agency called the First Responder Network Authority. On January 6th, 2021, she was back in her Capitol Hill apartment after the Christmas break, getting back to work and sorting out life stuff. I had spilled wine on a sweater during Christmas Eve and thought it was about time to take care of that. And that's why during my lunch break, I just went down to do laundry. I enter the laundry room with a thousand other things on my mind. And then as I exit the laundry room, there's a back gate. I put my key in the gate. It's an old building, so I have to lean against it and turn that key to make sure that the lock engages. And as I turn away, something catches my eye. It's a small device, it looks metallic. And I'm looking at this and I'm seeing that there's some plastic bits too. Uh, It's a pipe, it looks like, six inches long, with caps on both ends, with red and black wires all tangled and clipped to the ends, and to what looks like a kitchen timer. What Carlin is describing is almost a cartoonish picture of a bomb. She rushes out to the street and brings back a guard. 
And I was afraid that maybe I was mistaken, right? That this was a joke and I'm going to look silly. And the guard, he leans over and he takes a look at the device and he recoils immediately and says, holy shit, it's a bomb. Minutes later, the area is swarming with police officers. The block is being cleared. Pedestrians are being moved away. Many of the officers making the area safe are from the Capitol Police, the police department charged with keeping the U.S. Capitol safe. They're being called out to the bomb threat because Carlin's apartment and laundry room are next to the RNC, or Republican National Committee, which is just half a mile from the Capitol. As officers descend on the RNC to clear the area in case of a possible blast, the depleted forces on the front line of the riot begin to falter. The line is too thin. It just won't hold. The device that Carlin Younger found near her apartment was disarmed before it could wreak havoc on her apartment building. As was a second device found near the headquarters of the Democratic National Committee, the RNC's opposite number. The authorities haven't arrested anyone for planting the bombs. What they do know is the devices distracted an appreciable amount of police attention from the Capitol building at a crucial time. A time when the Capitol Police were all that stood between democracy and disaster. This episode, I want to understand what happened at the Capitol through the eyes of the officers tasked with protecting it. They've borne the trauma of the big lie, not only in the violence they experienced on January 6th itself, but also in how they've been treated afterwards. For all the cop worship the right-wing media ecosystem spouts every time there's a conversation about police brutality, after the insurrection, the right's tune changed dramatically. We've followed how the Stop the Steal narrative made its insidious way into the political mainstream. Now, its proponents have closed ranks to discredit the officers who have spoken out about their experiences that day. Then there's the question of the Capitol's top brass. Many officers suffered and sacrificed on the ground that day. But the Capitol Police has a budget of almost half a billion dollars to protect just two square miles. How could their initial efforts to contain the mob have failed so badly? From the teams at Cool Zone Media, iHeartRadio, and Novel, this is The Assault on America, Episode 6, Hugs and Kisses. I reported for duty at the Capitol as usual early on the morning of January 6th. This is Officer Harry Dunn speaking at a congressional investigation into the Capitol riot. Officer Dunn is a towering figure, six foot seven and broad shouldered, the sort of guy you might want on your side in a riot. But his strength couldn't protect him from the mob headed his way on January 6th. And as his testimony makes clear, he had no idea what was coming. We understood that the vote to certify President Biden's election would be taking place that day, and protests might occur outside the Capitol. But we expected any demonstrations to be peaceful expressions of First Amendment freedoms, just like the scores of demonstrations we had observed for many years. 
When Donald Trump's election win was certified in 2017, three protesters were arrested after a peaceful demonstration, but nothing more than that. Officer Dunn's 13 years of experience led him to expect a long day, but a routine one. A couple of rests, name-calling, you know, unfriendly people, but nowhere near the level of violence or even close to it like that we experienced. He took up his position on the east front of the Capitol, on the steps up to the Senate chamber. As the morning progressed, I did not see or hear anything that gave me cause for alarm. But around 10.56 a.m., I received a text message from a friend forwarding a screenshot of what appeared to be the potential plan of action. The screenshot bore the caption, January 6th, Rally Point, Lincoln Park, and said the objective was the Capitol. For Officer Dunn, this was the first warning sign that something was wrong. It was just one text message, but it was unusually precise. It said, amongst other things, that Trump has given us marching orders and to keep your guns hidden. It urged people to bring your trauma kits and gas mask to link up early in the day in six to 12-man teams. It indicated there would be time to arm up. Officer Dunn says that he had not been informed of any such planning by his superiors in the Capitol Police. He didn't know, for instance, that the FBI had circulated a memo on the 5th of January warning of possible violence planned for that day. He didn't know that the FBI Washington field office had received a tip-off from a local historian who runs a website dedicated to the network of tunnels underneath the Capitol. The website had been flooded with visitors from across the country in recent weeks, most of them reaching it from anonymous message boards and forums, the kind of places filled with far-right hate and conspiracy theories. All Officer Dunn knew, he says, was what his phone was telling him. When I received the text message, it, it made the hairs on my neck rise since our chain of command had not told us to prepare for any of these levels of violence. Um, I was just like, okay, whatever, like, I've been here. But as the day wore on, Officer Dunn's concerns only grew. From his vantage point on the East Front, he could see a crowd growing in size. And as more people flooded towards the Capitol, the voices crackling through on his radio confirmed what his eyes were telling him. The situation was getting out of control. Now it was obvious 
that there was a direct threat to the Capitol. I quickly put on a steel chest plate, which weighs approximately 20 pounds, and carrying my M4 rifle, sprinted around the north side of the Capitol to the West Terrace and the railing of the inaugural stage, where I had a broad view of what was going on. I was stunned by what I saw in what seemed like a sea of people, Capitol Police officers and Metropolitan Police officers, MPD, were engaged in desperate hand-to-hand fighting with rioters across the West Lawn. I witnessed the rioters using all kinds of weapons against officers, including flagpoles, metal bike racks that they had torn apart, and various kinds of projectiles. Officers were being bloodied in the fighting. Many were screaming, and many were blinded and coughing from chemical irritants being sprayed in their faces. The chemical irritants are probably why the voices on the radio call for DSO, which we think is the team that handles chemical munitions. But the most distressing radio call, the one every Capitol Police officer fears, was still to come. I heard, attention all units. 13 hours, Capitol has been breached. The Capitol has been breached. When the rioters enter the Capitol, the worst fears of the police are realized. An angry mob, determined to find lawmakers from both parties, is now loose in the building. The Capitol Police are in an impossible position. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, The CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. 
It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O.com. The first kind of big oh shit moment was this voice that comes on on the loudspeaker. There's a security alert warning people to stay away from windows and doors. You know, I'm thinking, oh, that's, I've never heard that before. Igor Bobik is a senior politics reporter for the Huffington Post. Like Officer Harry Dunn, he had been expecting a routine day at work on January 6th. You know, nothing really goes wrong, uh, typically, when members of Congress vote to certify presidential election results. It's been done for (laughs) hundreds and hundreds of years. When Igor's not roaming the building trying to get quotes from lawmakers, he's usually typing out stories in a small press office above the Senate chamber. That's where he was on January 6th, when he began to realize that this might not be a typical vote certification. I remember I was up above the Senate chamber looking down through these little little windows to the ground of the Capitol right outside, and I I remember seeing Trump supporters waving flags way, way, way too close to the building. It was very unusual. They were looking up at me, they saw me, and I was looking down at them, and they were waving to me. And I was like, wow, they're so close they can even see me. You know, I was taking photos of them. They were taking photos of me. It was like, this is strange, bizarre. It was bizarre, but Igor still had no notion of how serious the situation was becoming. These warnings are going off, progressively more concerning, but I'm still watching this debate going on in the Senate. So they have counter-proposed, just ignoring the lingering questions. We need to do something. The final warning. The one that hits home for Igor comes from the Senate chamber itself. And it will stand in recess until the call of the chair. We'll pause. Thank you. So as soon as I heard those words, I had gotten up and I started running down these these steps to figure out what, what the hell's going on because there's only a couple of reasons why they would do this. One of those reasons, of course, is that intruders are now inside the building. As Igor runs down the stairs to find out what's happening, he hears angry voices echoing up the marble stairwell. He starts filming on his phone as he runs and immediately stumbles into a now famous scene. As I round the corner, I encounter a lone black police officer trying to hold back a mob of 15 or 20 or so people who have gotten into the building. You might remember this image, a black officer standing before a group of angry capital invaders who look like they might rush him at any moment. His left arm is outstretched and he's pointing at the rioters, signaling for them to turn around and leave. This lone officer is an army veteran named Eugene Goodman. 
you see him pick up a baton that he had dropped and go back and try to kind of wave it at them to get them to stay back, and they're clearly refusing to listen. The rioters are shouting at Officer Goodman, getting in his face, pressuring him to let them pass. There's a lead rioter there in the video that you can see. He's got a beanie and a beard who kind of takes charge and starts menacing this officer and is, you know, shaking his head, no way, I'm not leaving. Like, you you better do something to stop me. That's going to be burning in my head because the way he was doing this. This man in the beanie, who is also wearing a black QAnon shirt over his gray hoodie, is by far the most aggressive in the crowd. We now know that he's an Iowan called Douglas Austin Jensen. We also know, curiously, that Mr. Jensen has no idea which building he's currently storming. Here's a clip that Jensen filmed of himself. Earlier in the day, he's standing outside the Capitol building with his hand pressed against the wall. This is me, touching the fucking White House. This is why we're here. Douglas Jensen's videos from January 6th contain multiple references to the White House. So you know. As you can't see the videos, I'll just be absolutely clear. He's not at the White House. He's at the Capitol. You're in the White House! That's what we do! Actually, it isn't, but I digress. Faced with this mob, at least one of whom is in the wrong building, Officer Goodman realizes that he can't hold them back alone. You sort of see Officer Goodman retreating up the back up the steps speaking into his radio on his shoulder. You know, he's screaming, second floor, second floor, we have a breach. I'm retreating back with him as we go back up the steps to the second floor where you see Goodman kind of look left and make sure that the nearest entrance to the Senate chamber is guarded or not. And then you see him pull away the mob in the opposite direction towards backup. This is a crucial moment. At the top of the stairs, with a column of hyped-up rioters bearing down on him, Officer Goodman has to make a split-second decision. Does he go right or left? In the video, you see his head rapidly turn to the left and look down the corridor. The door to the Senate chamber appears to be unguarded, so he acts. Officer Goodman pushes Douglas Jensen, the confused, aggressive rioter now right in Goodman's face. Jensen, pushed, seems disoriented for just a second. Goodman retreats to the right, away from the chamber. Jensen seems to recover and follows Goodman. Miraculously, the column of rioters behind do the same, following Jensen and the retreating officer Goodman, moving away from the senators who are mere meters away. This critical, fast thinking by him might have been the difference between them getting into the Senate chamber itself because at that moment, I don't believe it was secured the door with, you know, all the senators and all the other staff inside. If the rioters had broken into the Senate chamber at that point, whilst many of their most hated targets were still inside, it's difficult to believe that the meeting would have been a peaceful one. Thankfully, Officer Goodman appears to have bought just enough time for the safe evacuation of the Senate. He's a remarkable guy. All he's wanted to do ever since was go back to work. You know, he's a keep your head down kind of guy who really shuns away from the limelight. He's still there every day right now. I, I run into him in the halls. And we, you know, we kind of share this, this moment, this crazy moment together. And every time I see him and every time he sees me, we're, 
I'm sure it runs through his mind as well. When watching the video of Eugene Goodman, it's hard not to be struck by the image of a white mob chasing a black man through the halls of the nation's capital. And the truth is that the day was just littered with racist symbols, from Confederate flags to Pepe the Frog images to just straight-up nooses. There was even a guy in a Camp Auschwitz hoodie. And as you'd expect, the police on the front lines bore the brunt of the crowd's overt racism. Officer Harry Dunn, from earlier in the episode, was subjected to a torrent of racial abuse. His story is not an easy listen. It begins in the heart of the Capitol, after Officer Dunn has been fighting on the front line. I was physically exhausted, and it was hard to breathe and to see because of all the chemical spray in the air. More and more insurrectionists were pouring into the area by the speaker's lobby near the rotunda, and some wearing MAGA hats and shirts that said, Trump 2020. I told them to just leave the Capitol, and in response, they yelled, no man, this is our house. President Trump invited us here. We're here to stop the steal. Joe Biden is not the president. Nobody voted for Joe Biden. Officer Dunn decided to reply to the rioters directly. I responded, well, I voted for Joe Biden. Does my vote not count? Am I nobody? Officer Dunn's response was met with slurs and abuse from the crowd. One woman in a pink MAGA shirt yelled, you hear that, guys? This nigger voted for Joe Biden. Then the crowd, perhaps around 20 people, joined in screaming, boo, fucking nigger. No one had ever, ever called me a nigger while wearing the uniform of a Capitol Police officer. Officer Dunn spent hours fighting rioters on January 6th. He choked through chemical irritants and wiped blood from his knuckles and continued to defend the Capitol. But when the violence was finally over, it was the racial abuse that stayed with him. Once the building was cleared, I went to the rotunda to recover with other officers and share our experiences from what happened that afternoon. I sat down on a bench in the rotunda with a friend of mine who was also a black Capitol Police officer and told him about the racial slurs I endured. I became very emotional and began yelling, how the blank could something like this happen? Is this America? I began sobbing. Officers came over to console me. In the days following the siege, Officer Dunn spoke to more friends of his, other officers who served on January 6th about their experiences he discovered that many of them had their own stories of racial abuse to share. One officer told me he had never, and in his, his entire 40 years of life, been called a nigger to his face, and that streak ended on January 6th. Another black officer later told me he had been confronted by insurrectionists in the Capitol who told him, put your gun down and we'll show you what kind of nigger you really are. I told you, this is not easy listening, and it's not easy to tell either. Officers like Harry Dunn have paid a price for speaking out about what they went through during the riot. On July 27, 2021, Officer Dunn was one of four officers who stepped onto the global stage to testify about the insurrection. They were speaking before the House Select Committee, charged with investigating the riot. Also testifying that day was Sergeant Akalino Ganell. The rioters call me traitor. 
a disgrace and shouted that I, an army veteran and a police officer, should be executed. Along with him was Officer Daniel Hodges. One man tried and failed to build a rapport with me, shouting, Are you my brother? Another takes a different tack, shouting, You will die on your knees. And the fourth officer who testified was Officer Michael Fanone, a plainclothes officer who self-deployed to help defend the Capitol. I was electrocuted again and again and again with a taser. I'm sure I was screaming, but I don't think I could even hear my own voice. It's no small feat for these men to stick their head above the parapet and give their testimony on live television. For one thing, they could be certain that the right-wing media machine would chew them out. And indeed, it did. And for best performance in an action role, the winner is Michael Fanon. Here's Laura Ingram on Rupert Murdoch's Fox News, handing out acting awards to the officers for their testimony before the Senate hearing. The award for blatant use of partisan politics when facts fail, the Angle Award goes to Capitol Police Officer Harry Dunn. This type of coverage is part of a wider campaign to belittle those who speak out and underplay the violence of the riot. Donald Trump himself referred to the crowd as being full of love, hugs, and kisses. They're hugging and kissing the police and the guards. Some politicians made the point that rioters stayed within the rope lines and the rotunda. Staying between the stanchions and ropes, taking videos and pictures. Or that the siege was no different from any other sightseeing trip. You would actually think it was a normal tourist visit. Claims like this are ludicrous, but they have consequences. Here's a voicemail that Officer Michael Fanone received on his personal cell while he was literally in the act of giving his testimony. You're so full of shit, you little faggot fucker. You're a lying fuck. I wish they would have killed all you scumbags. How about that, you fuck? It might be tempting to write the caller off as mentally unwell, but the sad fact is that everything he said was perfectly sensible from the standpoint of someone who regularly consumes even mainstream right-wing media today. The rhetoric of popular media figures with massive platforms was almost certainly a major factor in driving him to make this call. They stole the election from Trump and you know that, you scumbag. Fucking too bad you didn't beat the shit out of you more. Faced with messages like this from the public and little support from the Republican lawmakers whose lives they protect, some Capitol Police officers feel betrayed by the political class. Sergeant Aquilino Ganell immigrated to the United States from the Dominican Republic when he was 12. He enlisted in the U.S. military at the age of 20 and deployed to Iraq in 2003. Sergeant Ganell had a stark message for Republican lawmakers attempting to discredit him and his fellow officers. Why would I risk my life for them when they don't even care? They don't care what happened to the public. They don't care what happened to the officers. All they care is their job, their position. They don't have the courage to put their job on the line. That's not putting the country first. We are willing to risk our life, or at least make it worth it. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. 
If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. The 2020 election results were officially certified by Vice President Mike Pence at 3.42 a.m. on January 7th. After a brutal, punishing day, democracy was still technically intact. But this victory came at a significant cost. Around 140 officers have reported injuries from January 6th. And while the psychological toll can only be guessed at, we do know that four officers who defended the Capitol have since taken their own lives. We've spent a lot of this series analyzing the forces that drove the rioters to the Capitol. Obviously, the Stop the Steal campaign and its enablers are where the final buck stops when it comes to people who endangered the lives of Capitol Police officers. But that's not the only factor that made January 6th such a disaster. Once the mob reached the Capitol walls, it is staggering how quickly they were able to breach the defenses of the U.S. government's epicenter. How did the Capitol's security strategy fail so badly? I had the television on. I was sitting in Chicago, watching it with my wife. On January 6th, Terry Gaynor was transfixed by the news footage, like the rest of us. But unlike the rest of us, Terry isn't just an armchair expert. I turned to my wife and I said, I don't see very many police officers on the East Front. 
he knows more than a little about the decisions that go into insurrection-proofing the U.S. Capitol. January 6th, from a policing point of view, was the joint responsibility of the U.S. Capitol Police, which I once commanded, the Sergeant of Arms Office, which I once led, and the rescue in large part by the Metropolitan Police Department of Washington, where I served as the head of operations. So, as Terry watched the riot escalate, this attack felt personal. When you saw them move up where the inauguration platform was being breached on the West Front, it was kind of a, oh my God moment. I felt sick to my stomach that this was going to happen because, again, I spent 12 years of my life there trying to prevent this type of thing, and it was heart-crushing. A raging fistfight between rioters and officers in the Capitol building itself has got to be close to the worst day possible for the Capitol Police's top brass. Days after January 6th, the three highest-ranking officials in the Capitol security team all resigned. The chief of the Capitol Police and the sergeants-at-arms for the House and the Senate. Since then, a task force of mostly ex-law enforcement officials carried out a security review and recommended a slew of changes at the Capitol. Terry was on that panel. He knows what resources are available at the Capitol, how decisions get made there, and what it feels like to be responsible for the officers who risked their lives on January 6th. I asked him what went wrong. It clearly was a breakdown in sharing intelligence. While the Capitol Police has an intelligence section, they're really relying on intelligence being gathered by the FBI and all the other numbered agencies in the United States, which is also getting information from across the globe. And there wasn't enough sharing of that. And so that was a breakdown. The same damn way we had a breakdown before 9-11, where everybody missed some of the intelligence of what bin Laden was going to do. Then there's the issue of numbers. The official security review found that the Capitol Police were understaffed, insufficiently equipped, and inadequately trained to cope with the insurrection. It recommended hiring another 854 officers immediately, bringing the total number up to 3,000 or so. The uh, Capitol Police officers had some two to 250 officers every day out because of COVID or quarantining. That meant for most of the year, Officers were working 12 hours a day, six or seven days a week, and frankly, they were exhausted. So what about backup? The National Guard have gotten a lot of heat for not providing reinforcements quickly enough on January 6th. Stephen Sund, the then chief of the Capitol Police, says that he did try to call in the National Guard two or three days before January 6th. It seems that the answer was no. The House Sergeant of Arms and Senate Sergeant of Arms, in essence, said the members didn't like the optics of that. And when the Guard were finally called in on January 6th itself, they didn't turn up until three hours later. Terry pins the blame for that one on a different protest altogether. On June 1st, 2020, PR mastermind Donald Trump made headlines across the nation when he summoned the National Guard to blast a gathering of Black Lives Matter protesters with tear gas and rubber bullets in Lafayette Square. Then he held a photo shoot with a Bible in the vacated square. 
the police were criticized heavily for their brutality that day. That left a negative taste in the military's mind, the local police, the public. It just was a terrible situation. And now you get into January 6th, and everybody's a little reticent about being drawn into the uh, shenanigans of the president and the way he manages things. So the military, having been burned in June of that year, said, okay, we're gonna set up a special process for the National Guard. If you wanna use the National Guard in the District of Columbia, you have to go through the Secretary of the Army to the uh, Secretary of Defense. In essence, more bureaucracy. And when the call came on January 6th, the response was delayed by bureaucratic fretting. Meanwhile, the Capitol was falling. What was very clear was the Army had set up a system that would protect itself from getting sucked in to the president's politics, but did not help when the Capitol Police and the members of Congress needed the help most. The senior officials in charge of security on January 6th paid for these failures with their jobs. But the fact that the Capitol was blindsided on January 6th wasn't just down to them. Terry believes that it's evidence of a longer-term failure of preparedness. I actually end up blaming myself as a former chief of the Capitol Police or as the former Senate Sergeant of Arms or the people who followed me that we didn't think and say, what happens if 5,000 people attack the Capitol? What happens if a president of the United States who does nothing but really sow hate and discontent for four years can get a group of citizens to get so involved with themselves that they'd act like mad dogs? We didn't train for that. I never thought that could happen. Quite frankly, we never thought someone would get inside. Within a month of the Capitol riot, 35 U.S. Capitol Police officers were under investigation for their actions on January 6th. Six had been suspended with pay. Some of these were the men you saw in viral videos, shaking hands with rioters. A number of those folks were surely people whose courage simply failed in the face of a vicious mob. Others truly sympathized with that mob's aims. On October 15, 2021, U.S. Capitol Police Officer Michael Riley was arrested for obstruction of justice. He had, allegedly, told a person criminally charged for their participation in the riot to delete incriminating Facebook posts. Officer Riley is alleged to have deleted posts of his own that were incriminating as well. It's going to be some time before we know the full extent to which a number of Capitol Police officers betrayed their oaths and comrades out of sympathy for an insurrection. But Officer Riley and the dozens of other police who participated directly in January 6th are evidence of a deep rot at the heart of American law enforcement. Terry Gaynor believes more training and equipment and manpower might have prevented the Capitol riot. That may be true, But the Capitol Police budget in 2020 was more than $460 million. That's nearly twice the budget of the Portland Police Force, who I've personally watched disperse crowds of thousands with much more violence than was ever used on the Capitol rioters. I've no doubt that the Capitol Police could have dispersed that crowd with the equipment in their inventory had the threat indicators before January 6th been taken seriously. 
When I think about this, my mind is inevitably drawn to the story of the Antifa bus in Northern California. The gist of it is that viral Facebook rumors led police in the summer of 2020 to believe that a bus full of violent Antifa rioters was heading down the coast from Oregon to burn towns in rural California. Police officers and even air assets were dispersed to search for the bus for days. These completely unfounded rumors were taken more seriously than tens of thousands of posts by Trump supporters openly declaring their intent to attack the U.S. Capitol and overturn a Democratic election. When a left-wing activist from Florida, Daniel Baker, made several vague posts about trying to gather armed leftists together to defend against an insurrection after January 6th, he was arrested, charged, and sentenced to three and a half years in prison. On November 4th, 2021, prosecutors did recommend a a three-and-a-half-year sentence for insurrectionist Scott Fairlam, who punched a police officer and had two previous convictions for assault. This is seen as equivalent to the crimes of a leftist who assaulted no one and has no criminal record, but who made a dumb post on the internet. The bravery of officers Fanon, Goodman, and Gunnell cannot and will never make up for the fact that law enforcement across the United States has a systemic bias that favors anti-democratic far-right militants. January 6th was the product of years of neglect and refusal by law enforcement to take right-wing extremism seriously. And in the wake of the Capitol riot, there is absolutely no evidence that this situation has changed. In the next episode, we'll talk more about the cops at the Capitol on January 6th who failed to acquit themselves with the courage of Harry Dunn or Eugene Goodman. This is the story of the cops on the wrong side of the fight. Of course I bought a gun earlier this year. And I put cameras around my house. Join me for Episode 7, The Lost Cause. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, The CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 
With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ocean by H10 Hotels and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com.